Good morning and happy and blessed Saturday to each and every one of you. We are so thankful that you are joining us today. I want to say that this week has been a wonderful week, a crazy week, but guess what? It's still a new week that we have never had before, so I am thankful for that. I want to welcome you all again to the Autopsy of Her, Healing, Evolving, Resili Resiliency, I am Iris Denise Holmes Owens, and on the line with me is my beautiful co-host and my sister. Good morning, honey bunny. Good morning, honey bunny. Stephanie Diani Green. Good. Good morning, everybody. And we have a very special guest with us today. And so today we have Nikki Gray. Good morning, love. Good morning. Good morning, all. <laughs> Good morning, Nikki. So Good morning. thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So oh, we, welcome. we are excited today. I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to jump in. I'm going to go ahead and uh, give you an intro to Nikki. And then Nikki's going to introduce her topic and we're going to jump in and we're going to have a great, a great conversation and great moments and sharing of wisdom as we always do. So just want to let you know. So Nikki is a spoken word artist. She's a singer, songwriter, and actress. She's a, just a multifaceted artist. So that's what artists are. The, see, that's the thing. When people say I'm an artist, but they like, yeah, I do this one thing. See, it's just like being an entrepreneur. You have to be multifaceted. Just, exactly. just drop a nugget. Just, just to drop a nugget. Exactly. <laughs> and, when, you're multi, when you're multifaceted, that means that you're a diamond. Because that's what diamonds are. There you go. <laughs> So through her passion right. <laughs> for spoken words, she uses her talents as a voice for activism and an advocacy. Many of her pieces speak to various social issues, including racism, sexism, mental illness, domestic violence, and human trafficking. Nikki has been a member of the ART, AMARC, is AMARC, am I saying that right? AMARC? Artemark. Artemark, thank you. Artemark and, ja and Java Monkey slam teams in Atlanta and has performed and competed on multiple stages, such as the National Poetry Slam, Wright Club Atlanta, the Decatur Book Festival and the Augusta Arts Festival. Her poetry has also been featured in two theatrical productions, Rimshot and The 11th Hour by playwright Angela Carcel. With the Positive Arts Movement, in 2016, Nikki published her first chapbook, Kaleidoscope, and is currently working on her second, which is Out of Focus. So again, we want to welcome Nikki Gray. It's so happy. We're so happy to have you. And so we're going to jump right in. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we uh, give you the floor. Good morning, all. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you both for having me here today. I'm so excited. Um, about being on the show Thank and you. talking about the one thing that I guess this all kind of centers around communication. Absolutely. Um, and the importance of communication um, in relationships, friendships, you know, um, just one-on-one -on -one with other people and just how important that is. Yeah. Correct. Because yeah. everything in life is relational. Exactly. This is extremely <laughs> everything and, focuses and around honest communication. Honest exactly. communication. That 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 I think people I do think people communicate, but what I do find is it's not honest communication. People tend to tell you what they think you want to hear, 
are only what they want to tell you and it's bits and pieces. You know, I always say that clear talks make to a clear understanding. And somebody, people want to talk in circles, you know, and you're trying to like figure it out. But communication, clear communication and honest communication is the key to all relationships. So, so Nikki, with that being said, um, let, can we, can I get, I think I want to start with your, your advocacy and your activism and, mm -hmm. and communication. And so mm -hmm. can you, can you start there for us if, or, or if that's a good place for you to start? Absolutely. Um, so it's, it's funny for me when I, when I think about communication in that for the longest time, just personally, I was not a very communicative person. Mm -hmm. um, I have a tendency to stuff emotions and, and stuff how I'm feeling about things because for whatever reason, I had worked it out in my head that what I had to say wasn't important. Mm. Um, okay. And that nobody wanted to hear me and it's best to just you know be quiet, sit mm -hmm. in the corner, you, mm -hmm. you know, speak only when you are spoken to, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and when you're kind of raised with that and not in a, a bad way, but right. you know, the old saying, right. children are to be seen, not heard. Correct. So you're supposed to be quiet. You're not supposed to share how you feel about a situation. And I took all of that and just blew it up. And so for the longest time, um, I didn't have a voice. Mm. Um, and, and chose to quiet my voice um, for others because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And then <clears throat> I got into um, poetry mm -hmm. because I, I love literature and I love words and the power of words, yes. which ties perfectly with communication. Oh. Um, and so getting into poetry helped me to be able to like, let go of some of those things that even if I couldn't say it vocally, um, I could say it on paper mm -hmm. and I could say the things that, you know, I couldn't share before. And so um, it used to be, you know, you start off in poetry and it's all the fluff stuff, you know? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, rainbows and butterflies and <laughs> amazing, you know, or, yes. or even you know the dark stuff like my heart is broken I don't know when I'll ever feel like I'll see the sun again you know right. all the dramatic stuff yeah <laughs> um, but I came across um, an open mic and was listening to um, some Atlanta poets and heard pieces that touched on things that I didn't know you could write poetry about you know, mm -hmm. um, and so they would touch on depression and they would touch on mental health and they would touch on, um, on, on rape and, and family, you know, situations, abuse and things like that. And it was like, oh my gosh, wow. Um, and for me, having gone through quite a number of things in my life um, and, and having experienced rape and having experienced, you know, um, and still experiencing dealing with mental health um, and depression, it was like an outlet. Mm -hmm. And I realized that there are a lot of us that are a lot more quiet than what we should be. Mm. Um, mm. And 
particularly personal opinion, I feel like within the African-American community, especially within our, our family dynamics, Absolutely. we keep things inside that circle, right? Yes. So what happens in the family stays, stays in, the in the family. the family. No matter and how you, bad it is. Right. You don't talk about that. Talk right. about the uncle that has um, a drinking disorder. You don't talk about the parents um, that, you know, are, are having issues with parenting. We, we just don't talk about those things. Right. And um, in finding this outlet for myself to talk about the things that, you know, I'm not supposed to talk about, I wanted to try to give voice to others right. um, that are, are similarly going through situations like that and, right. and found a place in that. You know, I would, I would do pieces that for the most part resonated with where I was and what I was going through. And then I would share them and then have someone come up and go, oh my gosh, that was amazing. And right. And then share their own backstory. And it was mm -hmm. like, okay, that's what this can do. Right. You know, it mm -hmm. opens the playing field to say, you don't have to be quiet about this. You can talk about this and, and share about this and and find healing in that. And that's the thing. For me personally, I feel like bringing those things that we don't talk about to light is where we can find healing. Right. Because I always say, and th this is, again, this is the reason why this whole podcast uh, came to be. Um, Steph and I have been friends for over, well, 27 years, um, to be exact. Like she said, she met Rhonda when he was one. So 27 years, so 26 years, however you want to look at it. And it is, we started realizing that in all the years of talking and the things that, that we thought we knew about each other, but later on learned about each other. And then was like, I never knew that happened to you. And then like feeling like, oh my God, that happened to me or something of the same sort of trauma happened to me. And we realized that that is where we stay stuck because as you just said, we're not taught to talk about trauma. We're not, we're not taught to talk about things or people in our lives who have hurt us, who have done things to us that they had no business even doing. We, we had, they had no business in our presence, period. Um, but that sort of thing happens. And, it's, and uh, of course, it's not just the African-American community, but because we're African-American, that's the only community we can really exactly. talk about because we we know us. Exactly. <laughs> we We're know sure. us. We know us. But we also do realize that culturally, it is uh, family secrets is a is a is a is a death killer. It is a it is a game. The secrets will kill you. Yeah, yeah. Secrets will kill you because the secrets are normally not things that are of your benefit in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. um, and so. It's so interesting, you know, uh, when you read about, you know, statistics that one in, well, not even like out of, out of 10 girls, nine will probably be sexually molested in their life mm -hmm. at some point in some time. 
um, and probably that's about five for every male, um, which is, you know, that's a whole nother topic because it's kind of ignored we, it, because we think that it's only a male on male when it comes to male, you know, sexual molestation. But there are a lot of women out here who are molesting young boys and, oh, and young men, and it doesn't get talked about. And again, that's a, again, a whole nother topic because as a, as a man, I mean, the laws even say, Hey, a woman can't rape a man. That's not true. Let, let me say this very quickly. Um, my niece called me um, probably like maybe four or five months ago. And I, the number didn't come like, you know, how you have everybody contacting your phone. It didn't come through like a contact, but I said something to me, pick the, pick the phone up. When I picked the up phone up, it was my niece. And I'm like, okay, I need you to help me do something, whatever. So I'm like, well, why, why, what happened to your phone? Oh, that's a whole long story. Then she said, well, I'll tell you. And basically her best friend, um, they had been best friends for a while. Me personally was something about the young lady I didn't care for, but she had found out that this woman had been molesting her son. And they used to live together with their children oh. when the children was young. Um, my my great nephew, my niece's you know son, he is I think he's like thirty, you know now. And but he and he was like, oh, that was her special boy. She was always buying him sneakers and all this kind of stuff. So she can't. She's trying to like, when was this happening, you know? And then she realized that her son had become oversexed at a very young age. And the sad part, how she found out was his girlfriend sent her the text that this woman sent him because he was, they was, she was still dealing with him. But this is on a, something that started when he was a young boy. Wow. Exactly. See, and I'm like, I'm like, she's a pedophile. Yes, she you know is. She's a pedophile. And, and it had just altered his mind. That's and fine. she should be in jail. Yes, she should be in jail. I think the statute of limitation, you know, and my niece, like, I, I, I took, I, I wanted to take that to the street. That's how she gonna be messing. And I trusted her. We, you know, they were both single moms at one point. They lived together with their children, so they helped each. She said she never in a million years would have thought that. And because I think she had some with the with the with the girlfriend, so the girl was like, "Oh, you think this woman's your friend? Let me show you what she sent your son." Well, see, this, and see, this is the problem. If you stick to, as we're talking about communication, we don't communicate truth. As 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 you said in the beginning, we communicate, but mm -hmm. we don't communicate truth, or we exactly. are we are stifled when mm -hmm. we communicate truth. Mm -hmm. Like this is this is my truth. This is my reality. This is not mm -hmm. my. This is not me just dreaming up stuff. This is not me making up stuff. And even if you think a young person or any person is coming up with something so out of sorts and you know that they've not had that kind of exposure, you have to then ask yourself, where is this coming from? Mm -hmm. But we typically don't do that. So, so Especially when it comes to young men, though, because you would think, when young men, when they're out like, oh, they're just being a boy, that's how men are, you know, they're lustful or whatever. No, 
No. You know, it's like the same thing with they, they're getting that from somewhere. Right. You know what I mean? Everybody think it's right. cute. I know a couple of guys, oh, I was having sex with my babysitter. She was 16. I'm 10, I'm 11. You know, 10, 11 years old. You know, that was great. No, that wasn't great. She is a pedophile. Yeah. And you shouldn't be having sex with your babysitter. You know what I mean? And I, I know women that have sons that feel this, oh, boys will be boys. What is that supposed no. to mean? No. You know what I mean? There's nothing good about that. Nothing no. healthy about that at all. No. Because that does. I have, I have, you know, you know, I have six brothers. And my one brother, he would just fall so deeply in love, you know what I mean? And when he lost his virginity, he was 14 to a woman who was 18 years old. My mother almost killed that woman. Yeah. And my brother really was never the same after that. It was really because it does affect it affects boys just as much as it affects girls. You know, I want to I want to I want to touch on something you said earlier, because um, I am I am 56 years old. And of course, it wasn't in probably until the last like maybe 2000, like the last two years that I started to come into a realization about some things about my own trauma in my life and how I had communicated mm -hmm. throughout life because I always considered myself, um, you know, you know, all my friends know I'm the Mac mama of, of <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am the girl, right? I look, don't you can't you can't throw me off my game. You can't tell me about nothing. Like I'm gonna flip your world. I'm gonna look, smack it down, rub it. Oh yeah, that's me, right? But in all of that, as I said two years ago, I realized that that was me living in my trauma all those years. Mm -hmm. That the way I chose to communicate with men came across. In, in my sexuality, right? And mm -hmm. I think that's where we get stuck sometimes. Again, we get stuck because we're not taught to communicate hurt and pain. So I want you to share right there if you, if you would like, what do you, you know, what's your thoughts about that? Um. I, I definitely agree. I know for me personally, it was always followed with the thought of, I don't want to be a burden and I don't want to burden others with my issues. Mm -hmm. So in order to make sure that I'm not, you know, like overwhelming friends or, or family or anything like that, I would keep a lot of that stuff to myself. Mm -hmm. Um <clears throat> Because I didn't want to like, okay, this is kind of heavy and I don't know how they'll handle that. And, you know, um, people, it's weird because like, if you're going through something um, and you share, okay, this is what happened. Some people will completely shut down because they don't know how to, Oh yes. they, don't, they don't know what they're supposed to do. Yes. Like, okay, so what am I, what am I supposed to do? How am I? How am I supposed to talk to you? Um, How am I supposed to handle that? You know, right. And and so it leaves you kind of feeling, especially as a person who has just shared this bombshell, right? Um, like okay, maybe I shouldn't share that. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should hold that kind of stuff back. 
Mm -hmm. um, and then you have others that, that you talk to that dive right in and are like, okay, well then you need to do this and this needs to happen and you should, and it's like, okay, wait, wait, actually what I really wanted in this moment was just to share and, and have you listen, but we don't say that. Right. And so then you have this dynamic of, okay, now I'm being given advice on how to handle this and do this and right. do this and do this. And uh, unsolicited advice, awesome. you know. Right. Like, unsolicited. I want you to hear me. <laughs> and, and it still leaves you in that place of feeling like I'm not heard. Right. Um, right. And I, I personally have identified that within myself a lot of feeling like I'm not heard. People are not hearing me. Um, but it was because... I was not sharing in a way that led them to be able to understand what it was that I wanted when I needed to share. Mm -hmm. um, and then also identifying that you don't share with everybody. Yes. You know? Right. Because everybody are... can't handle your truth. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and then, then some people like to take your truth and use it against you. Like, um, you know, like I, I shared this with you. I already know about it. You don't have to throw it back in my face. You know what I mean? That wasn't the purpose of that, <laughs> you know? Right. But I, but I, I also think we're also not taught that the, the power of being able to disclose because it's, it's disclosure. When we, when we, mm -hmm. when we open up and share, it's disclosure, right? Exactly. And, and of course, the way people react to our disclosure then, like you just said, Nikki, makes you say, oh, well, may maybe I shouldn't have said that, right? Or I regret even telling you that because the reaction and then what they do with your, with your disclosure mm -hmm. and your trauma and your pain makes you go, I'm never going to tell another person mm -hmm. that again or I'm not exactly. gonna tell anyone anything I don't care what's happening I'm just gonna sit here and suffer and so mm -hmm. like Nikki you're you're you advocate for all the things that are secrets right uh rape domestic violence mental illness you 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 are you are on the front line for everything that people keep trying to put you know keep it behind the veil mm -hmm. um you know, I'm a mental health coach and I, I mean, or a mental health counselor. I've done that for many years in my life with children and adults. And so I, I know where you're coming from with, with that. But I think it's also, it's also always interesting because many times those of us who, who are in or on the front line, we forget to deal with our own trauma first. <laughs> Which is true. We are talking, we are, we are talking to people and we're encouraging them and we're like, you, you can do this. And it's not, but yet we come home and we're looking in the mirror going, now, why'd you let that happen? Yeah. Cause you're not dealing with the man in the mirror, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you got to, it's so much, so important. But I remember when I was raped and um, the one of the things my mother told me, she's like, Oh, don't tell nobody. You know what I mean? And I was like, really? You know, like, how is that going to help me? And I never forget the female police officer that helped me. Um, she says to me, she said, whenever you, that you get that feeling that you need to talk about this, you know, she said, even if you're in the grocery line, tell the cashier, tell somebody, you got to let it out. 
And she was absolutely correct. And the sad part about it was um, my my biological mother's husband, because it happened at her house, in her building, guy dragging to the roof. But he already ran. The next day was Memorial Day, and they were having a cookout. He told everybody at the cookout, you know, and exactly. But I mean, I wasn't, I, I felt away, but I never was ashamed, you know, because I knew that it wasn't my fault. But I know the best thing that you could do for yourself is talk about it, whatever it may be. Just like now with our podcast, I was in Savannah. Ours came out and saw me in Savannah. And they had a little party for me, a party for me at my uh, aunt's house. And one of my cousins was saying like, oh, I listened to your podcast and I know what you were talking about. Like, you shouldn't be talking about that. Like, uh, it, it's basically not, I can talk about whatever I want to talk about. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And then, you know, my daughter kind of like chimed in, oh yeah, just running your mouth. It's not your business. And I felt a ways for a minute, you know, then I'm like, well, this is me and my girlfriend's podcast and we share, we want to share. And when your name is attached to something, you can share it. But I did feel a way, but then it's again, a way of somebody silencing you because you feel a way, you know? And I'm like, that's not going to happen. Dictate, but whichever way you will. And it's not only them feeling a way, it is because, you know what? That's the problem with non-communication and family secrets. Because trust me, everybody before you, they know the secret. (laughs) They know. They do know the secret. They know what happened. They know the stories. They They know the times. They know the names. They know it. And sometimes, just telling me, sometimes like, they were victims as well. But so can we stay right there for a minute? Uh-huh. What what is that about that? We know in our family, we have predators. We have rapists. We have liars. We have thieves. We have murderers. We have all the we have con artists. And yet we continue to go. Hey, cousin Joe, I know you are Hester the Molester, but hey, how you doing? Yeah, let me give you that hug. Let me kiss you on your cheek. I'm gonna yeah, tell I you don't. right now. I taught I my kids, I taught my kids from early in life. If you don't want to hug somebody, you don't want them to hug you, you don't want to kiss them, you don't want them to kiss you. You have every right to when they greet you to say, Hi, it's good to see you and not accept their hug or not accept their embrace. Taught my daughter from the time she was young enough to have sense. You don't sit on any man's lap. That's right. If it's not your father or your brother, you don't belong on any man's lap or in any man's arms. That's right. And so Nikki, from your perspective, because you're you're a little bit younger than us, but, but the truth is, I don't think that the secret, the secret part and the lack of healing and communication in families changes. So I'm going to ask from your perspective, how do you, how do you see that? Um, I would say absolutely. I would say it does not change or I have not seen that change for myself. Um, I very much grew up with, with the, the understanding that there are things that happen within the family that the mm-hmm. family is allowed to know, mm-hmm. but no one else is allowed to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then you don't speak about it. You know, right. knowing one thing, but you you still don't speak about those things. And it was just, 
it's kind of the, you know, um, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So what happens, <laughs> what happens within the family stays in the family because it becomes family business and you don't air family business, you know, um, you keep all that kind of stuff quiet and you deal with it internally, but it's never really dealt with. Mm -hmm. um, it's more like put underneath the, underneath the rug. <laughs> is it the rug or is it actually the house? It could be the house. Hide <laughs> it in the closet. That's that's how we we deal with those things under the uh -huh. rug or in the closet. And this is this is how you have really messed up rugs and lots of skeletons in closets. And it's it's I don't know if it's if it's because there's a fear of. Part of me feels like it's a fear of judgment. Mm -hmm. Um. The other part is a fear of, of it being used against you. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are a lot of fears that stop people from dealing with the things that have happened within families and, and secrets. And, and it's, it doesn't even have to be like big stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I started a book uh, earlier this month um, that is called... Um, Goodness gracious, now I can't remember it. It is, it, it's um, what my mother and I don't talk about. Mm. And girls, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come in the room. Come in the room, Nikki Gray. Come in the room. Go ahead, go ahead. That is big. <laughs> it, it is big. It is big. Um, it's, it's just there. You know the things that you that you don't communicate with with people that are close to you. Um, I have a really great relationship with my mom. Now, I didn't when I was younger. Mm. When I was younger, I I felt like oh, I can't talk to you. You don't understand where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. We're not on the same page, so we didn't we didn't talk about things and. Um, and so the book is is full of essays where um, different writers are sharing, you know, their their family relationships and things that may mm. or may not have happened mm -hmm. within those dynamics, and just realizing that we don't we don't talk about those things. I realized, for instance, that outside of knowing that my mother is my mother, I didn't really know a whole whole bunch about her life, mm. like what what was your what was your life like you know mm -hmm. um and it was later that i i came to you know start discussing that when i became an adult and finding out that my mom went to school um still segregated because she was in mississippi you mm -hmm. know and mississippi is a little bit slower to mm -hmm. catch up with right right exactly. right right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so she, she went to school still segregated. She remembers when they, they went ahead and did integration. And I'm like, mm -hmm. and there's that part of you that goes, oh, no, no, that's history books. That's, you know, hundreds yeah, of years ago. The history and is sitting right there. You live with the history exactly. right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Nikki Cash, you, how old is your mom? 68. Okay. Wow. She's still young. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. interesting.
Mm -hmm. so it, was, it was crazy just trying to even even finding out like who mom was what were the things that you were interested in you know and and it's weird because you you think well that's super like normal mm. but you don't talk about it right right we, we don't talk to our kids about the things that we enjoy and love and and they don't know your backstory outside of your mom Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And I think that's I think that's important. Questions where someone goes, "Oh my gosh, did you have color TV when you were a kid?" I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I had color TV. Oh my gosh, I, we didn't have an outhouse. There was, you know, running toilets. I mean, come on. Right. It's it's crazy because you just kind of take those things for granted. So I, I really love the way that the book is set up because in some instances, obviously it's discussions about traumas and things that are happening. Yes. Um, you know, I, I don't remember sharing with my mother when I was younger or even in, you know, my early twenties. Um, and, and um, struggling with suicidal um, um, and with cutting, those were things that I didn't talk to my mom, you know, talk about those things. And um, just reading that book really helped me see, like for myself, I've, I've gotten to a place where I decided that. What, what, wait, wait, hold on. That, whatever that, I don't know what that noise, that background noise is. It, 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 it's my dog sneezing. Oh, okay. So it, it's hard to hear Nikki. Um, so maybe mute for a so minute. Dad, can you take Dashi upstairs? Thank you. Okay, Thank you, Santa. Thank you. Okay. Sorry, Nick. No, it's cool. I'm um, sorry, Dashi got allergies. <laughs> I understand, Dashi. <laughs> And as um, we always say, this is live TV. <laughs> that's right. You're getting it as it and happens. Literally, he's been sitting under my feet. And then all of a sudden, he started sneezing. And oh. good, because Savannah just walked in so she could take him upstairs. <laughs> okay. okay. Go ahead, Nick. Um, I'm sorry. No, you're just perfectly good. Um, but just realizing that those weren't things that I, I talked about. You know, and in fact, for the longest time, I didn't talk to a lot of people about that. Most of my friends had no idea that I was struggling like that um, or was suicidal or was cutting or anything like that because you, there's a shame mm -hmm. attached to it. Mm -hmm. And with shame, you don't, wanna, you don't wanna talk about that because there's a judgment from that shame that says, you should know better, you should do better, you should be better. And because you're not, um, the fear says people are going to judge you. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I stayed quiet and I didn't talk about, you know, um, what I was struggling with or how I was feeling or um, just being open and vulnerable in that way. Mm -hmm. And so I have gotten to a place now where I try to make sure that I'm being as open and communicative as possible. Um, because that helps you. It does. It does. You know, you know, you know, because I, you know, I, I, um, you know, I was 
definitely attempted suicide several times in my life. And as a kid, you know, and trying to, you know, just it's the pain that makes you not want to be there. And I don't think it was like shame. Like, I guess I guess if you think about, you know, because the thing, if you feel that you want to commit suicide, you're not going to tell anybody because you don't want anybody to stop you, you know, on top of all that. But I was, you know, um, it, it was really quite interesting, you know, and it had a lot to do with all the histories of my family. You know, I was adopted, which is still like a big secret. But I don't know why. So just, it's, it's funny because um, I'm 57 now. But two years ago when I turned 55 and I was talking to one of my cousins, I was in Savannah. And I just said, you know, you know, because I was adopted. And she says to me, you know, I never knew that you were adopted. Someone just told me. So it's so funny just to hear that people are still talking about that. Where, mind you, I've been part of this family since I'm three months three months old, and now I am 55. So this wow. is still exactly. So you know, like things don't change, and you know, and it's my story to tell. Um, I remember when I was, um, you know, I own a jewelry company, and I cannot go to Savannah and don't bring my jewelry. And I, my cousin called me and she was at mom's house, bring your jewelry over. When my friends are over, they want some jewelry, whatever. And I go over there and the lady starts saying, oh my God, you remind me so much of your aunt. And I knew which aunt she was speaking of. And then my cousin chimes in and says, oh, but you should see her real mother. Exactly. Now that, that's not your place because it's my story to tell. You know, it's not for you to tell, but, but that tells me something about you, you know, also. You know, and I'm the type of, I could deal with you, but when you show me who you are, I do believe you, <laughs> you know, because, hey, you know, especially when you say, well, I, I don't see you tell people, I tell people what I choose to tell them and whom I choose to tell them. That's not your job to tell people my story. If I want people to know that I'm adopted, then I do. And I do have this thing where, like, my niece, you know, when I was speaking up with her son, and she was like, you know, auntie, I just love you. And I don't talk about you being adopted. Like she doesn't want, you know what I mean? So I won't, because she feels that way. You know what I mean? Not that she just said, like, cause she knows I'm very open about it, but you know, my, my husband loves you. You're his aunt. You know, she do go through all this things. And I do have people in my family that feel like that, you know, but that's their own issue. I mean, if it needs to come up, it needs to come. I find that mostly from my nieces, they just like, no, you're not adopted. You're my aunt. You know what I mean? It says doesn't mean I'm less your aunt. So it comes from a loving place, you know. But yeah, but people want to still stifle your voice and make you feel a certain kind of way and all these kind of things. And only when you're able to share are you able to hear. This is true. Yeah. You know, because mm -hmm. it's painful when you're just holding all those things into yourself. You know, I, you know, the cutting. Commit, trying to commit suicide, all these things that come along with that, you know, and some people don't realize and you're all out there by yourself. And there's somebody that has had those same situations mm -hmm. recently do this podcast that they say, like, I'm not the only one. Because some people feel they're the only one. They live in this lonely place all by themselves when, you know, baby girl, you know, baby boy, you're not the only one. There's other people out there that understands where you're coming from and why you feel the way you do and they can help you especially if they already crossed that bridge they say you know what if i can help you cross this bridge it's beautiful here on the other side you know and you could have this beautiful life 
And I do like when I look at my kids, you know, I was like, you know, imagine if I would have followed through with all those things, you know, the attempted suicide, I would have missed all of this, hmm. you know. So, you know, and, and, and it's nice to be able to be there to help somebody. So that's a beautiful thing that you do, Nikki. A really, really beautiful thing. I try to stay in that place, you know, because I think when it comes to communication, it's about being open, but it's also about being vulnerable. And that place exactly. of vulnerability mm -hmm. is scary to a mm -hmm. lot of people. You know, you, you don't want to go there. You don't want to be that kind of open and, and, and share yourself in that kind of way where there's nothing between you and the other person. And we hold on to those walls mm -hmm. um, as protection. Absolutely. And, you know, definitely don't put yourself in a situation where you're you're going to be harmed. But I think even in being vulnerable like that and sharing our story with one another, like you said, it helps it helps others believe and remember because it's a thing of remembering. We know ultimately there are billions of people on this planet. I can't possibly be the, be only, the only person <laughs> who has gone through this. Right. We know this up here, but yes. knowing it here in our hearts is a totally different thing. And it feels like in those situations that we are completely alone and no one understands and no one's been here. And um, I think in being open and vulnerable like that, there's this connection that can happen. And there's, there's growth, obviously, there's healing, but there's also encouragement. Yes, absolutely. The encouraging thing of finding out I'm not the only person who thought this is bolstering and it helps yes. you to feel like, okay, you know what? I can do this. I can get through this. I can handle this. I can make it through this. I can be better. Um, and for me, that's why I feel like there's such power in being able to, to share our stories with one another. It's an amazing thing for me to read yes. this book about um, the things we don't talk about with our mothers. Right. And for me to even to go, when was the last time mom and I had a heart to talk? You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. when was the last time we talked and just shared? And, and right. I just sit there and listen to mom talk about her sisters and, and growing up on a farm and not cut it off and be like, okay, yeah, next, whatever, mom. <laughs> it's, it's connection though it's that connection of being able to to share stories and though I don't know what it's like to grow up on a farm um it's, it's an opportunity for me to be able to get a, a better picture of my mother mm -hmm. um and what her life was like and then even with me making sure that I'm sharing with my own children, you know, oh, okay, let me share where I've been and what I've gone through and right. with my friends and family, you know, just sharing and being open and being like, okay, this is where I am. Right. And right. Finding out, oh, you're not the only one that's been right. going through this. I have too, right. you know, um, and that, that kind of camaraderie and companionship helps to make life not so lonely. Yeah. 
Yep. And, and I also think, and I also think when you have when when you have children, I think um, when you have had trauma in your life or things have happened to you that you had no control over, you couldn't stop it, you couldn't fix it, you couldn't. There was nothing you could do. When you have children, you then become. I don't even know the word for that. You just, but you you realize that I don't want this thing or anything of that sort to happen right. to my children. You or become children, an advocate for your children. Or children that I love or children that exactly. I care about or children. Mm -hmm. You just, you just like, okay, not on my watch. Mm -hmm. You, I exactly. think that's what it is. You become the, the watchdog and you're like, I'm not going to allow that to happen. Now, will, does that mean it's not going to happen? No. No. But I, I feel like it just makes us more, you become, you have a heightened, more heightened sense of awareness. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. You, because, you know, it's like intuition and as people call it, the sixth sense and all these things. When you meet a person and you meet this person, you don't know anything about this person. You don't know their name. You don't know anything about them. But that thing that happens in your gut where you go, hmm. Mm, yeah, it's I don't real. know what it is about you, but something about you makes me go guards up, guards <laughs> up, right? And so, and that's something also we don't do, you know, again, communicating because if we tell someone, and it could be, it could be my best friend's new boyfriend. Now, my best friend has five kids five female children all under the age of 10 or just all under the age of whatever they are. They're not exactly. able to fend for themselves. And you're so smitten with this person though. And you're like, I like him. I love him. And we're, and so now we're a new family. Yeah. But you're over here looking at the, the kids whose personalities who used to be so bold and bubbly and Hey, Auntie Iris. And then, and now all of a sudden they're like, Hey, and yet mom is like, oh, them kids would be okay. No, no, no. Something has shifted in this whole dynamic, in this whole atmosphere. And we tend to ignore those things. But we don't say anything. Or if we say something, then what happens? The person cuts us off. Exactly. Because yep. you're, so, you're so caught up in this thing that you have going on over here. And, and I hate to say it, but the one thing that I have realized, and that's because I have been married to a master manipulator, is that the person or people who are master manipulators of whatever kind they are, those are the people who come in like a ray of sunshine in your life. Like they come busted. They, they just change your whole you landscape. Know, everything's different. <laughs> you'll be like, hey, I can't make it without them. I don't know what to do. Oh my God. <laughs> And so you're so you're so distracted. You're yep. missing like the red flags are going. Hello, message over oh. here, over here. Look, look, look over here. Okay, uh -huh. <laughs> and you just you miss it because we get caught yep. and we forget to pay attention to that inner that inner communication with ourselves. I guess mm -hmm. maybe that's where that's probably where we should start the communication with ourselves and listening to that inner voice, right? And not, that, like, not necessarily the drunk monkey voice, because there's also the drunk yeah. monkey voice. Exactly. <laughs> but what about that voice that you see? I never forget. 
I was working at Fred the Furrier's when I was I was 19. I had taken a semester off because I had to pay myself through college. I needed to make some more money. And I was working at Fred the Furrier's. And I was sitting in my car. I got there early. And this girl walked by me. And I was like, oh, I don't like her. You know, it's just something. And I was like, you can't say that. I was like thinking myself, you're not God. You cannot judge people, you know. And so and she was like 10 years older than me, I think. Um, no, I was 19. She was like 27. Anyway, long story short, we were the new girls. And she was the manager of the boutique they had there. I was a hostess. And then we ended up going to lunch. And from there, we became like friends. And at the time, I was engaged to a guy who was like nine years older than me. So like the three of us would hang out. Let's say I know um, they're having an affair. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> it was like all the things that I saw in this morning, it was real. So I really try, like, I guess I'm trying to, I try to feel like I'm not judging you, but I see you, you know? Now when I see that, and it's like that first thing, because what happens is the first thing you feel is usually the right thing, which I've learned through my 57 years on this earth. But then when you start engaging with these people, like, oh, I, no, they're not really like what I thought when I first saw them. Yeah, they, they really are. You know what I mean? That's what I have definitely, yeah, they really are. You know, because it's just, I mean, especially when you feel like a certain disdain or something, you know, it, like that was just like, oh, I think they, they think they stuck up or, or maybe like you meet a guy, oh, he, oh, he's full of himself. You realize he's really a nice guy. He's not really full of himself, you know. But when you feel like, look at somebody like, is something that you just don't like. That's just a strong word. And whatever that energy was that was passing my car that day, I did not like that woman. And hey, a year later, I found out why. <laughs> goodness, goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's real that had those feelings, that intuition, and you followed. Like when I got raped, you know, it started in an elevator. And literally, I realized I'm in an elevator with all these people. And I don't see anybody, you know, everybody's getting off, getting on or whatever. And I was going to my biological mother's house up in Harlem. And sure enough, when the hairs on the neck, on my neck literally stood up. And that's when I realized the guy was behind me. And then he grabbed me and put the gun on me and dragged me to the roof. But I felt that energy before I even realized, you know, I saw the same person get on the elevator. But to realize that all the other people that got on the elevator, they didn't get off and realize, oh, somebody's still on the elevator. The hair is my next to them. All that stuff is real. You feel like somebody come around you? It's a real thing. You got to pay attention to it. And we don't. Yeah. Not like we should anyway. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, the sixth sense is a real thing. And we, we do sometimes ignore it. Yeah. I, so I, I was going to say, so... I just, I don't, I, I guess sometimes I feel like we have all, there are all these labels, right? Interesting that the labels are ne normally on all the negative things in life. Have you all ever noticed that? <laughs> have you ever noticed that? I'm serious. Oh, but I, know, I, I agree with you on that. Those oh, things I, are even, but even when they try to take the labels and try to make them positive, it's like, it doesn't work. Like, I'm like, you know, when you, Oh, I got my face beat. 
why your face got to be beat? Why are we using that word when you get putting on makeup? You know what I'm saying? Or, okay, now, older men have been dating young women forever. Oh, you know, he's a, a Mac daddy. He's daddy. Now, women do, oh, she's a cougar. Why do they got to be cougars? Right. You know what I mean? Why does it always goes to that? You know what I mean? I, I, I don't like that. Well, it's, I don't like that. Well, it's the, it's the way in which... Again, it's the way in which we communicate. And it's funny exactly. that you just talked about judgment. And we we throw that word around very, I think, loosely these days in terms of, um, you know, um, because it's like, everyone is like, don't judge people. Like, you, you that's wrong. And I, I kind of remind people, without judgment, where would we be? You cannot live in a world without saying you don't, there's no judgment. We, we were- I don't agree with you. We're I mean, because that's what it comes down to. If you're a Christian or if you believe in God, or if you, there is judgment in everything. We are created in judgment. You can't, you can't, you can't remove the things that are how we came to be and then take it away and think that's going to make it better to- to communicate. And I think at times we think that when we remove these certain words or behaviors, it supposedly makes life better. And what I find is that it causes people to sometimes retreat more because I agree with you. whereas where we grew up, even though I don't agree with all the ways, like, as you said earlier, Nikki, like old school, where children were made to be seen, not heard which means we, we did not have a voice, right? And, and even in talking about the dynamics between you and your mom. So I'm an only child. There's 20 years difference between my mother and I, right? And she always taught me to be bold, to be outspoken. She allowed me to be outspoken. She allowed me to speak my mind. She allowed, even when I was in trouble, I was always still allowed to, to state my case. However, now, over the last few years, I realized that my mom now tries to take my voice. Like, she don't want to, it's like, don't argue with me. You're being disrespectful. You're being, and I'm like, lady, I'm grown. I'm, I'm not 10. I'm not seven. I'm not 10. I'm not a kid. I have an opinion. My opinion is my, is my right to have, as is your opinion, your right to have. But you taught me to speak up for myself. But I can do that with everyone else in the world except you. And I think sometimes we do that with the people who we love and who we're closest with. Um, because I know I get reminded all the time, I'm the mother. Okay, check, but I'm a mother too. <laughs> and a grandmother and a grandmother right and so yes I'm not disrespecting you I'm simply saying I don't agree with or the way you see it or the way it was for you when you were coming through this part of your life it is not that way for me and I think we have to be mindful when we are communicating with people I think it's really important to remember from what generation we're even dealing with on yes, many, many levels. Because, 
you know, raising two kids who I always communicated with them and always, we were always open. We have open conversations, but at the same time, there was a period and sometimes still a period where I'll say something and they're both going, you're so judgy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and really? in my opinion, and this is my opinion, some things I don't need to know about other people. I don't want to know that about you. Yeah, TMI. But we live, <laughs> we live in a society, but because of non-judgment, then anything I do, everything I do, I want to share with you. I don't want it. Mm -hmm. No, I don't. I agree with you. I don't want it. I don't want it. The same way if I, as this, as a, as I would be seen an older person to, to a certain generation of people, if I was to show up places and be like, girl, last night, mm, they'd be like, I think we forget that part in life that there are things that you make me want to throw up in my mouth. And I don't no. want to know you like that. I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in your bedroom. <laughs> and, right. and, I, and I tell Nikki, I tell Steph all the time. I swear, I think there is a sign on my forehead that <laughs> when I'm in public that says to people, "Tell me all your sugar honey iced tea." <laughs> I, I get that. I got the same. I don't know these people. They just, I'll say, "Oh, we're standing in the line to get tea." Yeah, and be by the time I've gotten my tea. <laughs> we're, we're just having a comment like, I'm a hi, how are you? And they say, you know, you get to know their whole life story. <laughs> Look, I want to be, you know, when that happens to me, I want to go, wait, hold on. Here's I know. My invoice. Here's my invoice. Thank you so much for. I have a life coach. <laughs> You got free, you got free session. <laughs> Even that though is telling, because the reason why I feel like that happens uh -huh. is because we are starved. Yes, as a, as a society, yeah. as far as communicating with other people, and yes. so I think when that happens, you're dealing with someone who doesn't have other people that they feel like that they can be open and share right. with so right. this strange person who they go, okay, you don't know me. You will probably never see me again. Right. I can share this and know that I'm not going to be judged by you. And the floodgates are, are set free and everything comes out because they, for whatever reason, um, feel like they don't have someone to be able to communicate and talk to. Mm. And I think that's, that's, that's telling. Yes. That, that, I, I learned that by being a Lyft driver. I was a Lyft driver for a year and a half. And let me tell you, <laughs> I, I'm trying, I'm trying to <laughs> try to bring up all that energy from those stories. I got my, you know, my life as a Lyft driver because the things the stories that I heard, the things that people told me, because that, like you said, you're, they're never going to see you again. And then I did have some repeat people, and trust me, the story will continue every time I pick them up. You know, they would start because remember I told you that part last time you picked me. Let me finish telling you after. You know, so it goes on, and it, it is true. People are starved, and and they need to know that 
that conversation will go, not go any further than this Lyft driver. That nine times out of 10, I will not see this person ever again in life, you know? So, but they, they come back. As the, I was in the park one day, this boy says to me, hey, how you doing? I said, hi, how are you? You remember you were my Lyft driver? <laughs> so I, ran, <laughs> I ran into people. That, that, I, so it, you never know how you're going to run into people. I shop at Whole Foods and I've been shopping at Whole Foods. This, this particular was a new one they built closest to me. I've been shopping at Whole Foods since it happened. For I opened like two years ago. And I know the young man, he used to move the carts. He works at Whole Foods, whatever. Like four months ago, he comes to me. He said, I got a promotion and I'm not going to be working at this Whole Foods anymore. He said, I'm moving to another one. I said, congratulations. And he said, I just want to tell you that one night you picked me up when you were driving Lyft when I was going to college. And he said, you changed my life. Now, I've seen this guy at Whole Foods for oh, like two years. And he, I just like, no, hi, Brandon. He would say hi. Never spoke, never had a conversation. But when he knew he wasn't going to see me anymore, he tells me this. It was so ironic. And I, I did never, I don't remember picking him up. He said, I was in college and you picked me up one night. He said, I was so excited to get, oh, you're going to pick me up in a Mercedes. He was all excited and everything like that. But it was the weirdest thing. And you never know, you know, how you do help people, your inspiration, people listening to them and things of that nature. I think you're right, Nikki. I think that's true about what you said about the people like start. start. Mm -hmm. yeah. We set up in society those people that we can talk to. So on the religious side, it's your preacher or priest. Mm -hmm. um, then you've got bartenders. Yes. You've got barbers. Hairdressers. The hair yes. yes. You know, you know, um, sometimes your nail tech. It just, and those are the people that we go, okay, I can unleash everything and talk to you. And it's just because I think we have to work on communication um, outside of dumping it all in the laps of strangers. Right. Why are we not talking to our friends and our family? Correct. You know, for well, all um, the people that are involved with the pain, right. you know. You know, that's who you really need because you telling whomever and not sharing that with the person. Okay, that that's the issue. You know, it's like that saying goes, in the time of peace, you prepare for war. So it's when you're in the peaceful part of your relationship that you explain to this person, share this person, you know, I have something I want to share with you about, you know, the painful part of your relationship, not in the time of war. It's in the time of peace. But, you know, people don't want to share because by you not saying anything, all your actions and all your energies put it there anyway. You're just not saying exactly what it is. You know, so now we're going to, now I got to guess. You know, I, I can say like when I was married, my husband never had to guess because I was more than happy to tell him, you know, explain the situation to him. And like with me, Nikki, I'm one of those mothers that, probably overshare with my children. You know what I mean? They know, you know, my history, where I came from. Like, but then my son did say to me, like, I don't know what to say about that, mommy, <laughs> you know, but I just wanted them to know who I am. And the only way they're going to know that is I tell them. I mean, it was to the point that, you know, they wouldn't ask my mother, my biological mother, well, who's my mother's father? Like, you don't know him. You can't find him for my mother, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because they knew and they understood that. You know, so, but it's important. And sometimes it can be a little bit much, you know. And I mean, they're at that age, they share some, they don't share some. 
but I am the I am the sharer with my kids. They don't have to guess, you know, where I'm coming from, what my childhood was like, how I lived, and who's who, you know, like as far as these people. Yeah, we don't go over there and you ain't spending night here because this is how this situation is. I don't Man. trust any of that. Mm, I, I, we don't, mm, not at all. You know, when my mother, my biological told me, my, my biological mother told me when I was nine, when, you know, because she abandoned me, I live with my godparents. And as I was getting old, I was nine. And she said to me, um, you watch, you know, Uncle Jimmy, because he's a, he's a dirty old man. And all I always thought about, but you put me here with a dirty old man and knew that he was a dirty old man. Obviously, because you told me that, but I'm nine. Okay. <laughs> exactly. It's think, very interesting. I think, I think, like I said, I just, I, I love the reason why I love talking and talking to other people um, is because one, we learn, we learn so much about that person. We learn so much though about ourselves and then we learn so much about the relatability of it to the world in itself. Mm -hmm. Because I think, Nick, you said that earlier about we think that we are all so different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we, we really aren't. I don't care what your, what your background is, what your ethnicity is, what your cultural background is, what gender you are. The, people are people. Yes, and the experiences of life or more similar than they are different. Um, Absolutely. They just, they, there were just different faces and different names. And mm -hmm. that's something my grandmother always used to say was that things do not change. Uh, just the faces and the people change, you know, that's right. the, the, the places or the names and, and the time changes, but things don't change. And it's kind of like, it's almost like life is a, 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 a big replica of everything. If that makes sense. It just, mm -hmm. no, sure. it just keeps changing the faces change but the experiences don't and I and I feel like you know you many times you say to yourself why is this still happening well it's happening why because we don't communicate what is wrong with it exactly exactly does that does that, does so that make sense we don't make a lot of sense but it's enough, true. Uh, what's wrong with it and I always I always go back to uh you know, Michelle Obama said that it is an injustice as women that we do to one another when we do not share our experiences, good or bad. It's true. And I believe I that. I truly yeah. believe that. Um, women are intuitive and women are, we, we are nurturers and we are by nature just that. We, you know, mm -hmm. we will take care pretty, not, and not all, because some women just aren't. And, and right. some people aren't. That's just how right. we're created. But ninety-five percent of women are. We are nurturers, mm -hmm. and so we will we will try to help anybody who we see or believe is in need. But where we where we kind of get into the, the 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 head bumping comes is that we lose patience with one another mm -hmm. because you're not doing it the way I told you. You're not doing it what I you said you had a problem I gave you three solutions <laughs> I'm not understanding why you're not taking either of those I'm not understanding why you just can't get yourself together 
I can't understand. I don't understand why. You just can't listen, leave him. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that that's sound, I would love to leave him, but mm -hmm. I got six kids. Mm -hmm. I don't work. Exactly. I have no money. Mm -hmm. Or better yet, I got seven kids. I work every day, but he is going to come and find me. Exactly. I think we miss the part of the communication because we hear what we want to hear. You're right about that now. We hear what we want to hear. We take out the pieces that we're like, yeah, that don't matter. Mm. We're like, okay, so here's what you're dealing with. And I, what we all have to learn, and I've learned this over the last two years, we have to learn how to find grace for one another. We have to learn how to find grace for one another. Yeah, and patience. Grace. Yeah, the thing with that is you have to find it within yourself first. Yes. Mm -hmm. You give something to someone else that you haven't given to yourself. Yes, that that's good. That's very that's very correct, Nikki. And I and I think when we for find sure. that, we can we can we can really help each other, and we can all heal from within. We can help others heal. Um, I just let me ask you guys a question. Are y'all frozen? Are y'all frozen on my screen? We're not frozen. You're not frozen. Am I, no. Am I frozen? No. I'm, on my screen? On my screen, y'all are frozen. I don't know why. No, we can hear you and see you. You're I will see you. You just sat back in your seat, girl. Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you guys fine, but y'all frozen. Okay. No, you're 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 still moving. Okay, but I want to move too. Would you I feel like I'm I feel I feel lonely here not moving. <laughs> Look, you What's and that? I. <laughs> so, Nikki, I'm going to give you the opportunity for parting words. I want to first say thank yeah, you. I just want to say something today. really quickly. I, yes. want, I want to say something really quickly to what you were talking about, about your mom. Yes. So my, my biological mother and I are 22 years apart. Mm -hmm. And my mom who adopted me, we were 42 years apart. And ironically so... My, my biological mother, she was one because, you know, I have seven other siblings that she um, had, but you had to sit in the corner and couldn't speak your mind. And she was like the young mom, whereas my mom, who was 42 years older than me, wanted me to always be able to express myself. Mm. You know, which is so weird. And then the other thing I wanted to speak to was, you know, you came down to Savannah for my birthday. So I was telling her, you know, she never called me for my birthday. I think I even mentioned it to you. Mm -hmm. So finally, the other day we spoke and I said, I said, so um, you never called me for my birthday. I didn't hear from you. I left you a message and all this kind of stuff. And that's why I didn't get the message. Do you know that she still wouldn't wish me happy birthday? Because she said she left me a message. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll talk to you later, mommy. <laughs> just the things that go on. We just keep, we just keep, we just keep everybody lifted. And exactly. grace. Because yeah, I, I think from what Nikki said, that made really good sense to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We really, we really don't know our mothers. Mm -hmm. We know our mothers as our mothers. We don't mm -hmm. know our mothers pre-motherhood. Mm -hmm. And I especially and if they're I, not willing to share. And, you know, they're right, not willing and to some share are not willing them. to share. And I think mm -hmm. when we find our place there. You know, when we find if we if we can, again, giving grace to ourselves, 
Our mothers first have to learn to give grace to themselves as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then we can all kind of be a little bit more relaxed. With understanding. To share. Yeah, and mm -hmm. understanding. And I, I, mm -hmm. it's always, communication comes across so much better when I understand really where you're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, most times, <laughs> and most times we're all communicating without, no, I don't know where you're coming from. I mm -hmm. just hear, again, I take the labels, I take the things that you've said, and I wrap them up into what the picture I want it to be. You do the same. And then we, we lose communication. Mm -hmm. So um, I think this is a topic that we will have to revisit again. Because I think there, there are so many facets in this communication oh, thing. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. There's so, I, I, mean, I think the topic we like, talk about forever. We talked about, we, we said we were talking about communication, but I don't know, we must have hit on 40 different things today. <laughs> absolutely. Would you agree? <laughs> yes, I definitely agree. Would you I agree? agree. Um, <laughs> and I keep saying, I really, I so deeply want to do a mother-daughter thing, but Lord of God, I'm scared. But nope. I want to, yeah, it's gotta, it's gotta happen. It's really gotta happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just gonna try to figure out how I'm gonna make it happen. But well, I, my, 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 I know for sure my biological mother wouldn't get on. I know for sure my daughter won't get on. So <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna make it happen some way somehow. Yeah. We're gonna find um, some brave mother and daughter who are willing to do it. And so we'll yeah. see how it goes. Uh, so. Nikki, I want to say thank you so very much. We so appreciate you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, definitely, we want to have you back again. And I want to give you uh, the opportunity to share your parting words or your closing words or your closing thoughts. Closing thoughts. Um, be open. Be open and share with one another. There's so much comfort and healing and truth and and growth that can happen when we're open with one another and we're sharing with each other. Um, and especially now with us being in the situation with the pandemic and, you know, um, life is short. And it's important for us to be able to be there with and for one another while we're going through the situation where people are stuck at home and, mm -hmm. and people are worrying about jobs and knowing that you're not alone um, is extremely important. And the only way that you're going to know that is if you're talking with other people and we're sharing with each other so that we know that we are all in this together. Um, and the only way that we're going to get out of this and get to a better place within our, our relationships, within our friendships, within our society, is if we are doing it together and sharing with one another to get to that, to get to that better level. Absolutely. Thank you, Nikki. Definitely. Nikki would you Thank like you, Nikki. It was so nice meeting you. Nikki, would you also like to share your platforms in which people can um, communicate with you? Absolutely. Um, so you can find me on Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram. My handle is the same on all three. That's um, Nikki Gray Arts. So it's N-I-K-K-I-G-R-A-Y-A-R-T-S. 
Um, and I am always open for um, communication and new Yay. friends. And, <laughs> you know, I add you to the friend list. And then um, my poetry can be found on Spotify um, for Nikki Gray and on YouTube at Nikki Gray Arts as well. Yes. And she is a she is a wordsmith, y'all. Like that, you gotta you gotta check her out. She's a wordsmith. She will make your heart melt and your soul set afire. I just want you all to realize that. Thank you, honey bunny. Steph, you want to share? You want to give your final words and share how we, people can get in touch with you? Yes, and I want to say thank you so much, Nikki. It was just wonderful meeting you, and up to all your accomplishments and all the things that's coming to you. There are definitely great things. You know, and I'm glad to definitely know you. I'm looking forward to having you on the podcast again. And, you know, my final thoughts are that, you know, thank God we made it on today. (laughs) We have been just having a really, what'd you say? Thank y'all for grace. Exactly. We have been having, you know, it's been like, you know, a couple of crazy months. We had a lot going on, but thank you, you know, and, and thank you so much, Honey Bunny, for everything, you know, for making everything possible. You know, I appreciate you. I appreciate our audience. I appreciate you, Nikki. Thank you for being our guest today. Everybody continue to have a great weekend. Great. Thank you. All right. You can find me on my mentor.life, Stephanie Diani Green. Um, I'm a style coach. Um, so you can find me there for those things. Awesome. Thank you. And so I want to say my final words are just remember to allow yourself grace, allow grace and give grace to others in your life. Find patience and know that when you allow patience, patience will come about with trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a true word that that's not my word. That's God. No, that's not, that's God's word. Exactly. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so always remember that. And, but the only way we can love each other and help each other is to find grace for one another. I want to thank you all so much. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. Um, you can reach me at I do love coaching at gmail.com. Um, I do love coaching on Instagram and uh, Facebook. Same thing. I do love coaching. So um, I really appreciate you both. Thank you all so much for the grace that you granted me today. It was crazy. (laughs) Anytime. (laughs) I love you all so much. And we thank you all so much for joining us for the autopsy of her healing, evolving resiliency. You guys have a great and blessed weekend. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye.